Hello, everyone. Welcome to Harmonic Heart. We're a music blog dedicated to showcasing musicians' stories and talent. I'm your host, Chris Millette. Today, we have a special treat. I am excited and grateful and honored to have founder and CEO of Just Rock Enterprises, Shalita White, on today for an interview. Welcome, Shalita. <laughs> Hi. Thank you for having me, Chris. <laughs> yes, and Just Rock is an innovative music company inspiring independent artistry for musicians through unique and confidence-building music experiences. Yeah, so um, Shalita, please tell us more about Just Rock and the services and experiences you offer. Sure. Um, so as you mentioned, we are a music company that's based in the DMV, so DC, Maryland, Virginia. Um, and we offer music lessons, music rehearsal space, uh, music performance space, uh, and much more. I mean, as we know, COVID forced a lot of small businesses to pivot. And in doing so, we have been able to offer uh, a lot of live streaming opportunities. So musicians will come into one of our spaces um, or both, and they will offer uh, to their platform. Um, just some of their music, you know, via their audio listening sessions um, or, you know, once a month uh, concerts. So it's been, it's been a ride, but yes, that's what we do. And if COVID was not going on, generally we are um, in schools. So in the schools that we're in, they are in DC, Maryland, Virginia, New York, and we offer all types of classes from music appreciation to songwriting, uh, DJing, and we partner with Children's National Hospital and Ryan Seacrest Studios. And in there we do literally the same exact thing. We partner with DC Senior Centers. We're doing the same thing. So right now, every partnership that we have, every vendor that we work with, every school that we work with are all virtual, but in studio we are still able to provide in-studio experiences and then also virtual. So it's been, it's been a ride, but yes, that's what we do. We've been around now for 10 years. Wow, wow. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's amazing um, and enjoyable to watch, you know, just the incredible services that you provide to the music community. Um, and, you know, I think we were connected just over Instagram and I was able to see, you know, you doing the, or your staff doing music lessons with the children. And at the end of the mm -hmm. year, they had um, performance showcases as well. So um, mm -hmm. yeah, just investing in the youth and you also do uh, music lessons for all ages as well. So. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And yes, um, before COVID, uh, we would do showcases twice a year at Busboys and Poets, um, a DC restaurant staple. And I mean, we loved it. The staff loved it. Uh, the clients loved it. So, uh, you know, life changes, but, <laughs> but yes, we're still able to still offer some form of performances, you know, albeit very small in person or uh, if it's online, virtually. <laughs> yeah, and you know, just the musicians in the DMV community are just, you know, grateful that you provide this um, opportunity to perform because, you know, especially during COVID times, um, you know, a lot of musicians, they rely heavily on, you know, the ability to perform for their, their audience. So that's an mm -hmm. important, um, yeah, opportunity you provide. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, let me see, you know, and we had some of your instructors on the podcast previously. Um, oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, we had um, yeah. Freddie. We had Freddie and Sam on from Grey Wolf. And, you know, they were sharing, you know, these are your instructors and they were just sharing mm -hmm. just the breadth of unique um, instructional opportunities they've been able to have that mm -hmm. they likely wouldn't have been able to have working at any other um, music company. So I think, you know, that's a testament to just the diversity of experiences yeah. that you share. <laughs> I love that. They, they need to uh, write a, a Google review. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I love that. <laughs> I think it's also fascinating that Just Rock provides services in the DC, Maryland, Virginia area, but then also in New York 
and in Houston as well, um, if I'm understanding correctly. So how were you able to, you know, have so those connections? We will be, um, we will be starting our Houston location um, February 1st, 2021. So we're, you know, trying to get that all together and get it kicked off. But um, I'm actually from the South. I'm from Houston, Texas. And so um, while I live, you know, on the East Coast and I love it, um, I have always wanted to have some sort of Just Rock footprint um, after I started Just Rock uh, here in Houston. And to be honest, years ago, um, maybe like in Just Rock's fourth or fifth year, we actually used to sublet from um, a few studios out in Houston. And we uh, had clients in, you know, during that sublet, sublet opportunity. And then we also had some in-home students. The problem was that at the time we were growing in DC and I also, you know, was growing, uh, my family was growing as well. And so it was just a little difficult to try and maintain something beyond what we already had. Like we kept hitting it. So to make sense of it, we kept hitting the glass ceiling with the sublet experience. Let's say we were at a space renting from them two or three hours, two days out of the week. We would fill those time slots up with students. Oh. And that would be <laughs> all that we could do. And so the only other opportunity would be to have people um, assisting people in home, but then their schedules were only allowed so much. And, and I did not have the time to go and scout out, you know, I need to find Just Rock's own space. And it was just all of that. So I was like, you know what, let's put a pin in this um, and we will circle back. And <laughs> while it has been one of the craziest, most exhausting years um, with 2020. Um, ironically, I still felt like 2021 was the best time to try to move forward with a Houston opportunity mm -hmm. because it's still going to be slow starting off. I mean, it really will be, but just felt like this was the move to make right now because when the dust settles and we're all able to get back out there and live life normally, Everyone's going to be ready to just rock and come with music lessons, bring their kids, <laughs> even mm -hmm. you know, adults, everyone. So I just, we need to be ready for it. Hence the footprint in Houston mm. in 2020. Mm -hmm. Oh man, yeah, I know people are going to be itching, just itching to get outside in general, itching to have new, learn new skills, itching to experience live music. So yeah, that makes mm -hmm. a lot of sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. wow. Yeah, absolutely. And is it, um, was it a, a kind of a similar um, format in New York where it was in-home experiences as well? Oh, yes. Yeah. So when, okay, so basically at that time when we were having our satellite location, so this was all around the same time. It was um, Houston, Dallas, and New York. Mm -hmm. uh, it was, I had moved to DC from New York. So there were some spaces that I still had relationships with mm -hmm. and they allowed us to use it, use those spaces during their off time. So it was the same exact thing, hitting the glass ceiling um, with just how, how often weekly we can accommodate people. Mm -hmm. And that was just very, it, it just became too much, you know, okay. with New York. Um, yeah, it was the same thing. I mean, we were hitting the glass ceiling. We were in a studio once or twice a week. And there was only so many people we could accommodate. Mm -hmm. And it was really just me having to come back and just revisit the business plan um, and reassess how I wanted to like move forward with things. So what I did was took out the option of music lessons in studio there and we just only worked with schools. And so we were still doing that, working with schools. Um, and then we were working with senior centers as well, but we put a pin in that um, with New York because of the caliber of instructors that we wanted to make sure were working with them. And one of our best instructors moved away. And so um, 
I didn't feel comfortable with some of the others that we had to replace. So for now, we're just in schools there. For Dallas, same thing. Um, it just became a, a space situation. So. Mm, I see. And, you know, COVID has been interesting. Of course, there's been a lot of negative consequences and devastation. Um, but the way we people have been able to use technology it's also helped to, you know, expand opportunities in some ways. And I know you, you all are doing virtual lessons as well. Is that correct? We are. We are doing virtual lessons. I, so virtual lessons, you know, again, I don't want to sound like, oh, we've, just, we've been doing this for a long time. Because it's really not the case, but it is. We have been doing virtual lessons for a long time. We, you know, D.C. is just one of those cities where people will be here for a couple of years and, They'll, um, their kids will get involved with certain things. And when it's time for them to relocate all of the extracurricular activities that they were having, they want to figure out a way to make that happen still. And so that's what was happening with our music students. Some of the parents were moving away to other places. And so um, we were providing virtual opportunities for people via Skype. So we were doing that for years. And we had students that were living in like, Wisconsin. Um, I mean, honestly, everywhere. California, we had students in Texas via Skype. We had students in North Carolina. I remember we had um, a student for a long time that was in Nicaragua. Um, the parents had, like, oh. I remember moved to start an Airbnb slash surf club out there. Yeah, and they were with oh, us for cool. so long. <laughs> and so um, when we would have these showcases, they would perform via Skype. So we would be at um, Busboys and Poets, and there was always segments in between the showcases where our virtual students would hop on and perform. So fast forward to when COVID happened, I was like, oh, let's figure this out today, you know? And so I knew that it could yeah. work, but a lot of people were so used to coming in person that we, we lost a lot of students, but we were able to retain a lot to mm -hmm. kind of provide examples to show them, mm -hmm. no, 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 guys, this works. It can work. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, nice. And can you remind us um, just all the different instruments that you um, have for lessons? Sure. So I want to say it's, you know, pretty much everyone you can think of. There's always someone who will like, you know, say, oh, do you teach this? And I'm like, standby but um we teach uh <laughs> all over them instruments so you know voice piano bass guitar drums um ukulele saxophone trombone trumpet violin cello uh viola uh i feel like there's some that i'm missing um but, you know, most of the time, you name it, we can teach it. <laughs> Let's see. Hmm, hmm. Yeah. And what inspired you to create or found Just Rock? Hmm. Um, so, let's see. I never really had a, a I, I never really said, oh, you know, my dream as I get older is to start a music company. But what happened was, um, so I used to be a, a performer, an artist in New York. That was my full-time bread and butter. And in performing, I was getting paid and I wanted to turn that into a business. So I created Just Rock for that, for those purposes. So when I was performing in my residency spots there, um, when I was performing, uh, or teaching, you know, um, some sort of music experience at a school, just whatever it was. It was always, Just Rock was the company that, you know, um, it went under. And when I got engaged and then had to move to DC, because my now husband would not move to New York, it was okay at the time. I was like, huh, I'm kind of ready to go anyways. No offense to New York, always still love it, but still. Anyways, uh, so when I moved to DC, I didn't want to give up those residencies that I had performing in New York still, because it still required me to be out there at least uh, three to four times a month for work. Oh, okay. So oh. what I do was 
I was like, okay, I can teach lessons in DC. I'll teach voice lessons because I, I have always done that. I could do that. Um, and then I could be able to pick up a few residency spots in DC and then still have them in New York. So that's what I did. And I, I fell in love. I honestly, and to be honest, I did, I wasn't, a, I did not really teach vocal lessons in New York. I just performed. So the way that I um, would sell what I was offering to my clients and just letting them know this is a new world for me, but you know, I am vocally trained, but what I'm trying to encourage and inspire is confidence, the confidence to be able to get out there and to perform. And what I realized is growing up taking vocal lessons, um, I realized that when I moved to New York, some of the things that I wasn't equipped for um, as a kid, I had to learn on the go there. And I was like, wow, you know, it's not my parents' fault or anything, but had I known, you know, that I need to make sure I'm packaging myself a certain way or, you know, um, oh, honing in on my actual sound and being comfortable with that. And, you know, just, it, it was so many different um, things, but when I use that to be able to work with voice students, vocal students, that, was so amazing and just working with all those students and just getting more and more and more and more. Um, and the parents were coming back and saying, oh my gosh, my kid was this way and now their confidence is just out the roof or, you know, it was just amazing. And so I stuck with it and I fell more and more in love with voice mm. lessons. And it, we just expanded to additional instruments because as a performer, um, you know, I met so many other um, when I would sing, there was no way at the time I had enough material to cover like two and three hours of an entire set. So I'd always have other bands or singer songwriters opening up for me. Um, and so what happened was a lot of the clients were like, we still want to stick with voice lessons, but do you teach other instruments? Mm -hmm. And I didn't, but I was like, oh yeah, we, we totally do. And so then that's when the musicians and and uh, bands were like, oh, we can teach piano lessons or I can teach drum lessons. Or I was like, perfect. So mm -hmm. then we just started to grow from there because it's a fine places to, to be able to facilitate all of this. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. Wow, I mean, I, I think that's fascinating. In some ways, it also seems like you're a pioneer. Um, oh. <laughs> I think, and I, I say that because there's a lot of talk now about how artists aren't really being developed. Like we aren't mm -hmm. having artist development and mm -hmm. um, especially, you know, you're saying this was 10 years ago, but especially even more so now there's just so many more, you know, DIY artists and musicians out and musicians being able to learn to you know, produce their own music um, and perform now as well. So um, the fact that that was kind of part of your mission, even in starting. Uh, yes. I, and I'm, you know, I'm happy you mentioned that because it made me think about, again, I've been, it's like, I love, I love running the company. I love what I'm doing. However, I miss being able to teach. It's like, I'm always doing everything on the back end, but mm -hmm. I love love, love teaching so much. And one of the things that I used to do with um, our voice students, for those who could come, um, we did these uh, once a summer, so once a year in the summertime, these trips to New York. And so the students would come, the parents would let them come on up to New York with me. Um, and I, you know, we'd all stay in a hotel. And so they loved that because it was always like a bunch of middle schoolers um, for the most part, maybe one or two high schoolers, but mostly middle schoolers. Santa Hotel, but um, I was connected with uh, radio stations up there. So like Q104.3, Z100, um, they would let us come up there and, you know, just be in the station and see what it's like to talk to radio dish jockeys and letting them tell them about their experience working with artists. Some Grammy award winning singer songwriters um, that I connected with would let the oh. students come to their sessions when they were working with artists that um, they were writing with. And they have to sit in some of those sessions. And these are writers who work for 
you know, that write for like Nicki Minaj or Beyonce or um, just anyone you can think of, you know? And so when the students would get over being a little starstruck, you know, they would, they would get in there and, you know, the singer songwriters would put them on the spot and listen to what they had. And I'm telling you, like, even just thinking about this, giving me chills because it's making me think about it. And like all of those students now are all in college or they've just graduated. They went to school for music. Some of them went back out to New York and was like, mm -hmm. oh, I, I'm, I'm going to school for music or um, they're working in theater. I mean, pre-COVID, of course. Um, so it's just really cool. And they, they still keep in touch. Their parents will reach out. And yeah, it's, it's awesome. So uh, yeah, that's a testament to just how important the work is that you and Just Jock do. Can you just give a couple more, perhaps, examples of, you know, ways of packaging, you know, ourselves as artists and musicians that you think are important? Because, you know, I think that's something that's, you know, interesting. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, I mean, besides getting some music lessons, because that's always um, something that I really think is important, you know, whether, I think if you're going to call yourself a serious artist, you know, it's one thing to, you know, um, get a lot of helpful tips, which are available um, on YouTube and other things, but um, to be able to just get just some serious technique um, from those who are performing, who are doing it. And, and I like to make sure that we hire a just rock performer. So whether you are just teaching um, voice or, you know, uh, just, piano or whatever, I, I like to make sure these are gigging musicians. You know, you can still have other jobs, but you have to gig. And that's because you teach from a different perspective. You know, like you know what advice to give when a person is getting nervous and they're about to perform on stage. Um, so tips would be, um, in, in packaging yourself as an artist, would definitely be to um, stay true to your sound. You know, don't try to sound like everyone else because that's not what sets you apart um looking into the camera you know or or making eye contact with your audience that's important um let's see i mean there's so many tips I right, right. secrets um but but again just being across the board um true to whatever uh vibe sound um an artist that you're trying to be mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. man well and i can say you know i've personally felt you know the affirmation that the just rock um environment you know provides you know even you know with my own sound as well and it's something that you know i deeply appreciate <laughs> mm -hmm. nice. um i'd like us to shift a little bit here <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, Shalita, I admire that you are driven, innovative, and supportive. Yeah, you're a mompreneur that's not only passionate about music education, but also passionate about teaching mothers to develop their own businesses. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so in addition to Just Rock and all of the services we just mentioned, you've also released a book and you also host a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. And it... <laughs> So it's funny you say release the book. I, I definitely wrote the book um, and it is available for purchase on, you know, Amazon and so many other platforms. But the thing is when I, I wrote it, I never marketed the book. And I don't know, I just felt like at the time it was just this, this restlessness in me to get my experience, you know, whether it was relatable to one person, a hundred people or whatever, just get it out in writing, get the vision out in writing. I, I think that God was just moving in me to get it out there and then figure out the rest later. So, cause I, I honestly, again, is one of those things, never thought to myself, hmm, I'm going to write a book one day, you know? No, I just, I, I wanted to do that. And the reason why is because so throughout running Just Rock over these past 10 years, I have during that time gotten married, 
had three little amazing little wild munchkins. Um, <laughs> and so uh, I've been doing that, but then the company has still been growing. Um, and because I wear so many hats within it, I don't know that that's always a great thing, but I just, you know, it was hard for me at the time to figure out like how to allocate, which it still is too, but like certain tasks for other staff members. Um, but regardless, uh, I would just meet so many other moms, you know, that were clients coming in and half the time they didn't even realize that it was my company because they may have caught me on a day where I had one of my kids in like literally in their carrier sitting in my office. I may have had some warm-ups on, <laughs> hair pulled back and I'm in the bathroom like trying to scrub the bathroom down or I'm sweeping or doing all this other stuff. Um, they may have thought that I was just, you know, the receptionist or something at this space because I'm just making sure everyone else is taken care of. And then they realized that it's my company. These women would be wildly successful in their careers, but then they would say, oh my gosh, so what I've always, you know, just to give an example, what I've always wanted to do was start a flower business or what I always wanted to do was open up my own bakery. I just feel like I can't do it because of this or that or how do I find the resources for it? I mean, or, you know, educators that I'm in awe of and then they, you know, in return will say, oh no, but I've always wanted to do this. I want to start my own marketing company, but I don't have the money for it. And I was like, I didn't have the money for it, you know, but I, I just feel like when you do, when you put everything that you can into it, um, God shows up for the rest. And I wrote a book to be able to somehow um, explain that to others that it may seem un unimaginable or unattainable, but it, it is, you know, and with limited resources at that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the book is called The Rocking Mommypreneur, a blueprint yeah. for moms and wives looking to start a business but feel hopeless. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. I called The Rocking Mommypreneur just to play off of Just Rock, Just Rock, and then, oh, rock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's available on Amazon right now, right? Yes, absolutely it is. Thank you. You know, and just talking about this is making me think, you know what, this is the time. Because it was this, like, this year is the year that I wanted to finally put it out there and let people know that things are doable, um, even when you don't think it is. So, mm -hmm. And your podcast seems to have a, a similar theme as well, the Just Talk podcast. Yes. So I enjoy talking about um, mompreneur experiences and tips. Um, especially to other moms or just in general, just anyone looking to start a business, whether it's a mom, you know, or male. Um, and so I first, you know, wanted to create something where just rock staff, myself, um, and clients could have a platform to be able to, you know, just kind of speak about music, music experiences, the culture of it, um, but then I also wanted to make sure that I included during that time a segment where, you know, every who doesn't want to hear about, you know, tips in marketing or wellness tips or whatever it is. And so that's what that whole segment was for. And, and it was also to, you know, be able to reference the book here and there. We're actually coming out with season two of the podcast in February. Um, Again, things just got so delayed because of COVID. We started, we started uh, the first season literally like a few days, I believe, just before COVID started. So we're like, oh. uh, course, sorry, we're like, what is going on? So it's you know just having a bad track, but yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's been interesting, you know, just you know when. The, the bit that I've recently just been involved with Just Rock and seeing how you've adjusted and come up with, you know, different ideas for how to manage the COVID and, um, you know, and shifting and adjusting. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's been exhausting. Uh, yeah, you know, so, 
<laughs> wow, wow, man, I can only imagine. Um, <laughs> you know, it's a it's a music blog, and you know, I'd like to to talk a little more about your time performing in New York. I think that sounds really interesting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was um so long ago, but um it was it was great times. Um, I used to have a regular um residency um on the lower east side for those who are familiar with that part of new york um it was at a spot called people's lounge oh my gosh i i miss that spot i love those people um but i was there on wednesdays um and it was so much fun it was like every other wednesday gig and i got to perform a lot from uh my album that i had at the time my one and only album called sweet thoughts um, and so it was me, my band there. Uh, and then again, I just have always been one to like to share the stage. So I'd have other singer songwriters and bands that would come and open up. Um, and it was cool because, you know, some of them had like really huge followings. Um, so, I mean, just the spot could count on a fun time. Every other Wednesday was a, a an event that I used to do. It was actually called Bourbon Street Wednesdays. So it was so oh, much fun. cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I did that there. Um, and then, like, I performed. Uh, so my morning time gig was uh, with this company. Um, they're actually pretty huge. It was a nonprofit, but it was called uh, the Negro Ensemble Theater Company. And it's who a lot of the great got their start with, like Denzel Washington, Felicia Rashad, Samuel Jackson, um, and, and the list goes on. And so they used to perform there. And that was obviously way before, you know, I came along. So when I came along, the place was, you know, not as renowned as it was. Um, but nonetheless, uh, I um, was able to get a principal role. First, it was an understudy in um, one of their plays and then became the principal in that same one and another one. And so we used to travel a lot to different schools and perform or just on stage. Um, I remember we one time did a show. Uh, it, was, it was pretty insane, but really awesome um, at Rikers Island with mm -hmm. the New York Theater Company. And it was for oh, their juvenile wow. department. And that was that was um very awakening and mm. it was it was an awesome experience um so mm. so i did that and and then just there's so many other venues in new york that you know either i was seeing back up with blue note um or mm. so many others that i just seen back up for other artists there but my main spots was was there and then in dc um i had residency at two spots here well there oh. mm -hmm. mm. um well, yeah, that's awesome. You performed with that ensemble. What were the spots you performed at in D.C.? So everyone, I'm sure, who's a D.C. native knows about Tacoma Station. So um, there every other week, um, I have my band there performing. Um, shamefully, I cannot remember the day. I believe it was probably like a Monday or Tuesday um, mm -hmm. that we have performances there. And that was awesome. Um, I enjoyed that. Um, or was it a Thursday? It was... Mm -hmm. it was one of those times. Um, but anyways, it was a twice a month event as well. Um, and again, I, I stopped performing when I um, got pregnant and uh, would show, you know? So I was like, I, I can't, I can't, you know, I don't wanna be on stage pregnant. No, no shade to any women who do that because I think it's, you know, remarkable. But I just personally um, was like, oh, you know, songs I'm singing and pregnant I don't know about that anyways um there and then uh there was a tonic in the GW area so um I performed there and that was like every other Saturday gig oh, so wow. yeah it was, it was good times and <laughs> I don't I don't perform anymore but mm. yeah it was it was fun times and whether How it was Full piece band or me and two musicians and one backup singer or something but it was all just that yeah hmm. yeah how did you compile your band um well I you know honestly I used to always I was always in need of a guitar it's actually now that I play you know not amazing but now that I play um I wouldn't you know do this anymore but back in the day I used to 
always need a guitarist. And typically my guitarists would say, oh, I know this bass player, or I know this person, or I know that person. Um, and so, you know, this was again, back in New York. And so let's say I may have met one guitarist or a guitar player and a bass player online. Then after connecting with them, um, they then knew, oh, I know this drummer, or I know this keyboardist, or I know you need a trumpeter, or I've got this person. Um, or sometimes, you know, you're just in different live music venues and um, you may meet someone and just say, oh my gosh, I need you, your trumpeter. I need your sound, your vibe for my band. And I, New York was just one of those places where everyone was just like, let's do it. You know, you crowd into like a little teeny tiny apartment, you know, and just make it happen. And there were so many rehearsal spaces all over the place. So, you know, some were not too shabby. Uh, others weren't, but you just were so happy to be in this, in a space of music. And yeah, so I, it was really compiled by, you know, you meet one person, that one person knows somebody else. And yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So like networking. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Wow. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, this, this is some people's dreams to, you know, have residencies in New York. So it's really just interesting to hear about all this. Um, yeah, um, you got to get out there and, and talk. <laughs> mm -hmm. Look, I'm saying that and, and I am not as great with it these days. And it's not because I don't enjoy, you know, um, meeting new people or whatever, but I think it's, you know, at this time in my life, it's the, I don't have a lot of time, you know, to just go to um, network and hope it pans out or something. Like I have to be very intentional about everything. And so um, it's just a different type of space. I don't, I'm not having the time to do that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was so excited when I found your album, Sweet Thoughts, on streaming, you know, platforms. Um, mm -hmm. And it looked like it was released in um, 2008. Um, it was a long time ago. <laughs> I was like, you're a legend. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, it seemed like you had, like, R&B vibes and neo-soul vibes on it. You also had, like, singer-songwriter and even, like, some rock vibes on there, too. Yeah, I used to call it an alternative R&B jazz, um, you know, feel. Yeah, when, when mm. kids, people would say, oh, what's your, what would you say your, your, um, your style is? What's your genre? And I'd always say, oh, I'm an alternative jazz R&B singer. <laughs> mm, I like it. I see. I see. And, um, you know, and I think, you know, hearing the album and the way you blend genres, it makes sense even, um, based off of just rock and just the, the various genres, um, just rock supports and all the different instruments um, mm -hmm. just rock instructs on. So yeah, it really seems like, you know, the mission of just rock comes, you know, out of the core of who you are, you know, as a person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the goal. <laughs> <laughs> you know, also when I was listening to your album, I, I like your writing style, you know, you depict vivid images using metaphors that appeal to the senses, yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> and I feel like nowadays when I try to get back into writing, um, it's just so hard to like, just, you know, go for it. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, thanks. Just yeah. having a zone, you know, and that's another thing too. I mean, besides life being just completely different then, um, not as many distractions, but I, I also think that New York was like your big, playground you know for me at the time um so you can just get very lost into whatever it is you're trying to do like you can be around so many people and and really just escape like it's crazy to say that and such irony as well but yeah it was easy for me to like I'd sit on the train be tons of people all around I'm like huh just you know writing um yeah something came to me <laughs> Yeah, can you speak a little, maybe more to that? It sounded like when you were writing that album, all those songs just kind of came to you and you were just writing. It writing, really writing. did. I mean, seriously, before then, it was like so many other songs that I completed. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know, it just wasn't quite, I just didn't feel like, oh, this is the thing that I want to put out. Mm -hmm. um, but when I was writing that album. Literally every song 
kind of came to me quickly. I, I finished writing that album within a week and a half or two. Now, wow. it took me over a year and a half or longer to get to a space where I can just write everything out in, in two um, in, in less than two weeks. In fact, I remember uh, even when it was time to go into the studio, one of the songs I recorded that was on there, I think it's Ease Your Mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember, you know, I'm so used to, okay, I'm going to the studio. It's going to take me several hours the whole day to complete one song, you know, just Mm -hmm. ready for it. I remember that day in the studio, I recorded that song. We laid it down um, and it was in Brooklyn, Mm -hmm. Williamsburg, one of my favorite neighborhoods in Brooklyn anyways, but I lived in Harlem. Anyways, um, I remember it took us maybe maybe like an hour and a half to do that entire song like crazy i remember the producer and engineer we're all just like like it was crazy right yeah that's i mean yeah that's not a a long time to do a whole song yeah it, it it happened so quickly and we just we yeah yeah i remember when i was stepping out so the engineer can do a couple things we were all it's like this huge like warehouse loft space and different ones were like skateboarding around we're all just laughing and talking and then going back in it's like oh yeah this is what this is this is done and it really felt like it you know so that that was cool Hmm. and i remember even one point um one of the songs i think it's everything i do um uh I really wanted violin for it, um, but I was in this guy's apartment. It was about seven of us, and the size of the apartment was oh so small. But we were all crammed up into there, laying down some just raw tracks. He was playing the cello towards this with the song, and it was amazing. We're like, oh my gosh! And then with some of the other songs, he was like, well, let me try out the trumpet with this, or just fun times. It was it was awesome. Man, man, yeah, the, the, those infamous, you know, small New York apartments. That's interesting. Oh yeah, and they so crazy because, you know, this guy like played, um, in the Lincoln Center. Like that was like his main job. But then at the same time, he's like in this, you know, small apartment, and we're all in there just getting stuff done. You know, so yeah, it was it was cool though. Hmm. Yeah. What was the studio you recorded the album in? A lot of different studios, actually. Oh, okay. um, and I would really have to sit back and think on what mm-hmm. would the names, you know, like I know right. the names of my producers, Joe from Power right. Soul, um, or, you know, just different ones like that. But a lot of the album was recorded in someone's like basement um, oh. studio. Uh, or if it was a studio, it was in someone's home, I didn't really know. <laughs> the actual name of the studio um but yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay and was your band the ones doing the instrumentation or was it the producers how does that work not all of them um so one of my bandmates um oh my gosh he is amazing and he's doing huge things now um well a couple of them so there was um this guy darren cord and probably one of the most talented guitarists ever. Um, Darren used to write, uh, work for, uh, what was the video game? Guitar Heroes, okay? He was one of the musicians. And he ended up getting some of my songs on Guitar Heroes. So I think it was like my song Tasty, may have been Ease Your Mind, I think Pick Me Up. So like people (laughs) did games to my songs. Now, I no way. <laughs> oh yeah, I promise you. I'm not a gamer, it, so I don't really know the whole thing. But he's over like something in the gaming world now. I mean, like he has hundreds of millions of streams from like all of his video games. Like, like it's crazy. And Darren and I used to sit up in his studio that he shared with a roommate, and we'd just be, you know, coordinating and writing songs or whatever. And he just oh my gosh, and he's like out in LA married with kids he was just Hmm. an amazing amazing person um one of my former wait sorry one one second (laughs) 
no that's that's what that's legendary that's a while like kids grew up on oh, guitar yeah. hero like guitar yeah guitar hero is the reason that a lot of kids started playing like, guitar and you had songs yeah on it's that so game. funny because my kids were um trying to like I, I was telling them about it and they were like wait i mom can you pull it up i, I honestly was trying to figure out how do i ex assess it now you know like i, I will access it like I, I literally couldn't figure out how but yeah like i yeah i had songs so on guitar hero mm -hmm. oh man <laughs> that's that's amazing yeah <laughs> okay cool and you had you were gonna say um, some other oh yeah no <laughs> um and then like uh one of my other uh backup singers um but we became friends um definitely um she was actually a Howard graduate um and she uh went on to become this insane DJ who like DJs all over the world um for stuff and she curates like wellness boxes and you know she'll <laughs> DJ um at what is it, Barclays Center, like OJ oh, up and oh, she's wow. DJing and the, like, I mean, it's crazy, you know? And I, I just, I'm in awe of all of these people who are just doing such amazing things, you know? So yeah. And then she still will, um, one of our schools that's in New York will come and, and teach DJing to them, you know? like people's oh, downtime oh. like oh yeah like Darren I remember he before he moved out to LA like on his downtime he would come to one of our schools and like work on songwriting you know yeah yeah and Darren wow. oh, guitar hero so I'm like oh my god yeah <laughs> oh sweet wow mm -hmm. yeah that's really exciting um yeah I guess one other kind of note I thought about some people talk about you know being in New York and just seeing all these different people on the streets, you know, just being so connected with people uh, in the sense of, you know, when you're, so that when you go and you're writing a song and even when you're listening back to a song, you're able to imagine like all these different types of people listening to it as mm. well. And that seems like, you know, a unique type of experience to, to have that. You know, it sounds like even just being able, just being around all these other musicians and I also heard, you know, about being New York, being with so many people, but also being able to escape yeah. as well and do your own just thing. Just the environment, period. Like, I mean, you walk outside of your house and then you're like, you know, it's like you, you literally walk out of your apartment building and you're on the streets and I mean just the environment that's your your that's your music right there you mm. know and it, it ah. immediately mm. puts you into like a zone of if you're an artist you know um it could be anybody but you know i i'm only speaking from the perspective of an artist like oh my gosh where's my mind gonna take me today <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. oh man well, I mean, it, yeah, it's fascinating, you know, to hear about that. And, you know, thank you for indulging me and, and sharing. <laughs> um, yeah, what are some, you know, future plans or, you know, near future plans for Just Rock? Sure. So besides us, you know, hopefully getting back to a new norm um, with, uh, you know, post-COVID, whenever that is, um, I'm looking forward to opening up the Houston location, um, mm -hmm. which, as I mentioned, February 2021, uh, somewhere towards the middle or end of it is when we'll start accepting students. But I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to just more and more people finding out about us in the community in D.C., uh, Maryland, Virginia, um, and especially more artists finding out that they have a space where they can come and practice, you know, rehearse, perform, even during COVID. Like, I know it's been a really tough period, um, and you just kind of want to still get your music out there, but because so much is closed between bars and lounges and clubs, Just Rock is an outlet for that. Um, it's a, you know, we're only able to accommodate people in a very small capacity, but still. Um, so just, you know, my hope is that for 2021, more people find out about us, you know, uh, more schools, more senior centers, more hospitals are 
open to testing out the waters of letting people back in. Um, you know, of course we can still do virtually, but just being back in person because that is definitely needed in this. Um, and again, growing Just Rock in Houston and also the podcast, just getting out there, Just Rock podcast, uh, the Rocky Mommypreneur book, just finally kind of um, resonating and um, becoming something that, you know, I can be able to let people know about. So yeah, it's a lot that I'm hoping to get done. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. And um, how can people keep up with Just Rock, follow Just Rock and get involved? Absolutely. So you can always follow us on Instagram um, at Just Rocky and T. We are on Facebook. We are on Twitter, but I have to keep it real. Um, I'm much better at checking our Instagram um, because if I do all three 24-7, it will absolutely overwhelm me. I don't know how people do it. Um, <laughs> you can also find us online at, at JustRockEnterprises.com. That's always with an S. Sometimes people are like, wait, which, which one is it? So it's J-U-S-T-R-O-C-K Enterprises.com. And you can get involved. Um, there's so many different ways, whether you want to take lessons, you sign up, you, you know, shoot us an email at info at JustRockEnterprises.com or DM us on Instagram or just check out our website. Um, and I think that was your question and then of course just stay tuned for yeah. um, typically on the website or just on instagram is when we alert people of all of the updates you know so the houston opening the podcast um season two releasing february uh the month of february and um learning more just about the books and any events all on instagram all on the website Okay. All right. And is there anything else that you want to share with the people that we didn't get to touch on? I can't think of anything outside of stay safe, you know, everyone and, and push through. Looks like so far 2021 is panning out to look identical to 2020. We're not going to claim that. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I would say um, stay safe. You know, and I really appreciate the opportunity of you giving me um, a space to be able to talk about Just Rock and our music and our plans and then, uh, you know, Rocking Mommypreneur book and podcast. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it was a pleasure and honor to have you on, Shalita, the Harmonic Heart Podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yes. Take care. Enjoy your weekend. Mm -hmm.